April 25th, 1999, Wayne Gretzky retired, which was probably a big blow to Canada and the half of a half percent of Americans that care about hockey. On the radio, TLC proclaimed they don't want no scrubs. Nice double negative. I guess you actually do want scrubs, T-Boz. Reeling from the Columbine massacre, the United States pledged to do absolutely nothing about school shootings for the first time. Meanwhile, in Providence, Rhode Island, Stephanie McMahon was kidnapped by The Undertaker at Backlash. The calamity begins. Now the destruction begins. Now the tragedy begins. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Have any comments on anything off of the top? Uh, <laughs> let's see, Columbine <laughs> and what was the other one? Well, I no scrubs. That, I say, well, no scrubs is going to be relevant to our pay per view discussion actually for this episode. Oddly I just, enough. I just like picturing T Boz being like, well, I don't want no scrubs. There have to be some scrubs out there. Well, no one wants to be caught when they have guests without scrubs in the house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was about cleaning equipment the entire time. Uh, top movie this week was The Matrix in like its fourth week, followed by Life and Never Been Kissed. New movies out this week were um, Pushing Tin, the John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton, Angelina Jolie uh, air traffic controller dramedy, I want to say. Oh, I, re- I remember pushing tin. Did yeah. absolutely saw it. Absolutely saw it. <laughs> remember almost nothing about it. Uh, I just remember the part where they like they lay on the um, on the airstrip and they like underneath airplanes that are taking off and they get like tossed in the air and it's like supposed to be a breakthrough moment for them. It's like uh it, it's like they're um, ratcheting up the program where the football players lie in, lay in the middle of the street. <laughs> right. Actually, Disney had to take out that scene later because all of these <laughs> high school seniors were laying on airstrips. And... We also had the uh, David Spade comedy, Lost and Found. Ex- um, watch that one, too. <laughs> Existence, which was Cronenberg's Matrix, basically. And Election. Which Ooh, still holds up. Election. Yeah. Election's such a good movie. Yeah. Um, and premiering on TV, we had on April 7th, Strangers with Candy, April 26th, Home Movies, and the following week, May 1st, SpongeBob SquarePants premiered. Three shows I've never watched. <laughs> wow, you never watched Home Movies? No. I home love movies Home is, Movies. Oh, it's so good. It's so and good. It, it. It's a proto Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I it... Mean, like, it like Coach McGurk might be a better character than Bob, even. I don't yeah, know. Go back McGurk, and watch. Yeah, I know. It's a great. I know show. of it, but yeah, it just. I I think. Um, again, this is this is when I was like in college and had no access, like had very limited access to TVs. <laughs> this is back when people didn't have TVs. I think in dorms or or like you know we had like a TV and. Um, it was usually being taken over by someone else. So, like, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of weird now to think about 
all the time I spent not watching things yeah. like, while I was in college. Yeah, I, I guess I just assumed that everyone had TV in college because um, University of Maryland made a deal with Comcast while we were there. Comcast got the naming rights for their new arena, and so all of the, um, the dorms were fitted with cable for free. And yeah. you had you had a TV in your room? Yeah. Yeah, I had a TV in my room in college, too, but it was much, much later than when you guys were in college, especially you, Eric. <laughs> no, no, I, I we had an AM radio uh, that we, you know, my college made a deal with um, RKO and uh, <laughs> for, for naming rights to the old Odeon. And uh, we had, yeah, we had free airwaves. It was great. Every room was set up with a free Victrola. <laughs> right. Bobby, what years were you in college? Because actually I was trying to think about this for um, my Slammy. Later uh, on in oh, oh, 03 to 07. Yeah. Okay. I was right. Cool. Uh, welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, and I'm joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, I'm glad we started with my CV in the years I went to college, <laughs> just to have my, my historian credentials, I suppose. What is your, uh, what is your mission statement? What are you trying to achieve here? And we also have, uh, the man who knows nothing about the time period we're watching, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes the length of a Pacific Blue two-parter without commercials. <laughs> and we're here to talk about Backlash 1999, following Woo! up on WrestleMania 15 and getting back into looking at wrestling pay-per-views and actually a wrestling pay-per-view where I enjoyed more than I didn't. Wow, guys. I could not agree more. I, I, I didn't know I, we just were hurting for wrestling for too many weeks, but I am so glad to be back in, in Vince Russo's loving arms. I, I miss pay-per-views so much. Like, it, it was weird. I think there, 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 this must have been, like, some kind of, like, seasoning that you do to me because <laughs> for however long it's well, it's been, maybe, what, a year and a half? Uh I, you know, you get me where I'm like, I get resentful of the pay-per-views and then we watch like absolute schlock and then it's either, it's either absolute schlock or it's like, uh, 300 timestamps that are like, uh, from 30 minutes and 26 seconds to 30 minutes and 28 seconds, uh, leads into 31 minutes and 25 seconds to 32 minutes and 14 and, seconds. And then there would be one like 46 minutes to 59 minutes. And you're just like, Oh God damn it. And the thing yeah, is, like there's, you're not wrong, Aaron. Like it definitely is like the complete thing. And I do think we should watch all of those clips, but sometimes some of those clips were just like a bunch of guys in the back. None of them mic'd being like, I don't know where to go. Where to go. I don't know where to go. Yeah. And there'd be like six of them in an episode. And I'm like fast forwarding through like gold dust matches to get there. And it just, it made my brain hurt so much. Yeah, no, it was, it's funny. Cause like I, I would look at these like timestamps and just be like, Oh fuck, come on. Like, can I just, just give me a block of minutes to watch. And then I would watch and I'd be like, no, this is too long. <laughs> like, there, there was no length that actually worked. But also I, th I think it is worth discussing that this is not how it's meant to be watched. Obviously 
And right. so it's kind of like if you watch, you know, I've, I talk about this example all the time is the magic mic with, with just the, the cut of just the dance sequences in order with no other of the film, uh, which I think is brilliant what people really want. But it doesn't work that way with this. Like if you isolate like what, what we did, like the full storylines on their own without like the pacing of having other stuff in between where all those clips sort of feel like little bits instead of like uh, pouring an entire bowl of candy down your throat at one time. Uh it's very weird. It's like such a way that yeah. I'm not used to watching wrestling. And even as me who watches so much wrestling, uh, just rewatching that story in all like back to back like that, it almost doesn't make sense. It's like a comic book, you know, like when comic book stories unfold across multiple issues and different series, and then you buy the omnibus, but it's like all the art is different in each one. And I don't know. Am I making <laughs> yeah. any sense? It just really yeah. No, no, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, <laughs> Like the the way these stories were were told, it was meant to be like a, like an IV drip for people yeah. who are super super starving for more story. So like you're supposed to be watching something else that you you know uh, presumably enjoy, and then they they throw in something from this you know from the old storyline that picks up. And you're like oh oh what's this? What's the next development? And it's nothing. It really is truly nothing. <laughs> but you're so happy to see this like to see, you know, where the story may get advanced that you're like, oh, I want to see what happens next. So, like, I, you know, I do get it. Uh, the way we're doing it is insane. <laughs> it yeah, you're basically, so you're, weird. you're taking the Ivy bag and squirting the entire thing in your mouth. Like a Capri Sun. You're actually yeah. taking a Capri yeah. Sun straw, puncturing an Ivy bag, <laughs> and sucking it dry. Um, yeah, but but what's the other option? We watch, like, 30 hours of... <laughs> Wrestling yeah. every, before one context. episode, I don't know. Yeah, we got to explore the space. We got to really explore the space, get the full context. I mean, that's what I do, guys. So <laughs> I know, Aaron. I, I truly there. There is a place. Uh, there is a statue in your in your name that will that will be erected after you pass. I'm and just then saying, fifty years and then later, taken down by protesters. I'm just so saying we're coming attached. we're coming very close to the premiere of SmackDown, and I am not adding that to my rotation for this. Fuck. Um, because we went through all of that, there's not a lot of to talk to about um, the buildup for any of these matches on Raw. The only real storyline that's kind of being explored is that mess that's going on in the wi- the women's division, and again, using that term very very loosely um with nicole bass tori ivory and pms and say oh it's able um the only other thing i want to mention on the heat before this uh our old friend draws has a new partner who bobby i know is familiar with and that is prince albert his tattoo artist is how he's being billed, but we're not going to see him on a pay-per-view until SummerSlam. So watch this space for him. Do they have him in a can? <laughs> um, so tonight uh, we have the Backlash pay-per-view and again starts with a very good opening. Um, with the It Might Seem... Like these two individuals referring to the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin are two very disparate individuals, two individuals who couldn't be much more different than each other. But the um, they do a great job talking about how charismatic they are, how the people have latched onto them and about how um, athletic they are and the drive that the two of these guys have. 
Uh, um, Bobby, Bobby, when you heard the line, like, two men blessed with charisma, did your mind start filling in uniqueness, nerve, and talent? <laughs> Honestly, uh, they both could be in the running for America's Next Drag Superstar. I really do believe that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think they'd really struggle with the Snatch game, but if they can make it past that, I think they could go all the way. Oh, God. For, well, okay. I think The Rock would be okay with the Snatch game. I think Austin would be terrible at the Snatch game. Yeah, he'd probably pick a friend and then, you know, try to be too nice to them. Kind of like a real Morgan McMichael's pink situation. Ha. I thought he was going to try to do share and just realize he's completely outclassed. Like, he's just he's just, just stone cold just saying share things. Though I would love for him to do, like, a mid-snatch uh, character change into, like, Dame Judy Dench. You know what I mean? That would really fly for me. <laughs> I like this opening though. I I mean I know it's it's the typical overblown stuff that I but it's just so weird how confident they knew at even this time just what big stars these two just like are and were forever going to be like on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling kind of thing that like in retrospect you're like yeah wow they really had lightning in a bottle and here we are watching like Austin the Rock two of the greatest greats uh, go at it but it's how clear that was even unfolding in real time and I think that this is actually like an important introduction here which and I, th- I think i'm okay saying this to you eric the next time you see the rock he is going to be a face and his face turn is actually going to happen the next night on raw so setting this up here right at the top with kind of like the the similarities between these two guys i think is a great way to lead into that moving forward hmm interesting um far less interesting than that we start off with the Brood versus uh, the Midian and the Acolytes. Uh, well, before we get into that, I just want to take just a, a small amount of time to talk about the um, the backlash title sequence. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I, as we can tell, the Industrial Revolution has come because the backwards R industry has given birth to the backwards S industry. <laughs> um, that title sequence... Uh, to me, it looked like what Ben Stiller uh, did with R- Winona Ryder's footage in uh, Reality Bites when he made that show. It was very like there was a, like um, there was there was a collage-y. Kane was a pepperoni pizza. Kane's face, right? Every every like it's like it's like the cutouts moving around the screen, like uh, in that collage style from MTV. Yeah, I don't understand. That's what- all. That's I, I don't understand what the font is supposed to be for backlash. Like, I understand that not, not just the backward S, but like, is it made out of rawhide or like, what is the texture? And then there's this, these like weird like bubbles in it, and I don't fully understand what's what that's supposed to be. Like, literally, like, are they rivets? Like, what am I looking at? Literally, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at it closely, but I, I don't understand like what the letters are supposed to be made out of because they definitely are going for something, and I just don't know what it is. I uh, know I must have yeah, been I, mean, uh, I must have been make, taking a note during the title sequence because I remember the font just uh, from having it in the bottom corner, but I don't remember the title sequence at all. I just texted you the graphic if it helps because I'm very oh. <laughs> confused by it. <laughs> what is that? Um, it's it, it does look like SpongeBob, right? It's like what is that? What am I? Is it desert? bricks but like what are those circles in the b the a and the h i feel like this is some sort of fucking dan brown mystery it's i i honestly have been looking at it so much and i cannot make heads or tails of it 
Or like there's Swiss cheese. I also got a, a very hard Swiss cheese vibe from this. Okay. Or like pieces of matzah with like the, the, the brown spots being like where the oven baked it. Um, I think Sorry, I... Sorry, that's a Jewish thing, guys. <laughs> I think I actually have an answer for you, and I'm going to text it back right now. Um, oh, my God. On the Backlash poster was a big thing of mankind, so I think those are supposed oh. to be like those rivets in the face of mankind's and, and kind of have kind of a leathery texture, but absent of having mankind on there, it's absolutely baffling. Also making Oh my it... God, it's a, man, it's a mankind face... Uh, font. Yeah, I get. Are they trying to go for like a a, a sort of like a human skin kind of thing with it? Maybe it like a like, leather face kind of. Yeah, I could see maybe, that. Maybe, but on the graphic though, it's like bright yellow and the holes are black, and so it's like I I was so confused, so confused. Bad job, graphics department at uh, <laughs> in 1999. Very funny that on the on the poster that you sent, Aaron. It has like a little asterisk and it goes in your house. This is the last it's one. Still in, um, it's still in in your house. Oh, this is, is it? The last one. Yeah. Because I think I thought. Well, I, I kind of not that there's a UK one. I think still. This might be oh. the last American one. Actually, you know what? I got this right here too. Um, Backlash originally titled "Backlash in Your House" on early promotional posters. So some of the posters had had the "In Your House" on there, but then it still was is considered the first non "In Your House." We're just well, getting not really. We're just I guess getting we're hairs. It we're just getting uh, questions and answers left and right. I love it. Real time. We don't even need fire the research department or hire more of them. I don't know. What's there's going to be some. <laughs> what does this indicate? There's going to be a bunch of people. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, pretty pedantic followers that we love so much who are who are like about to send us a DM on Twitter being like, well, actually, here's what. Oh, and then they're going to be so sad that we answered the questions at the same time. I know this. Um, sometimes our podcast is a little bit like Dora the Explorer, where we just like are like. <laughs> I wonder what Stone Cold Steve Austin's real name is. Do you know? And then we just like leave a blank space and everybody starts DMing us like, ah, it's, I don't even, what's his real name? I don't even know. Do you know who the higher power is? <laughs> Answer. That's right. Mankind, no swiping. <laughs> All right, we do have to get to the brood versus the ministry at some point. Um, okay. I'm not even gonna say, do we have to? I'm I'm so excited. Let's talk about wrestling. Okay, this is a, this is a TV match. It's uh-huh. a TV match. It's not. A, it's a it's a subpar pay per view match. But I don't think it's all garbage. Uh, I did a little digger, a uh, digger, bigger digging, digging deeper. Wow, guys, sorry. You dug uh, a little deeper. I dug a little deeper. Um, I was just like go. Looking back into the brood and the ministry, I forgot how much I like loved the brood. Like they were my favorite wrestlers. I know Aaron, we're gonna see your favorite wrestler in a little bit. Uh, but I loved the brood so much, and I was going back into some old Pritchard episodes and things, uh, and just watching this match as mediocre as it is. There are like half the guys are future world champions, and uh, four of them, if you count like past or future world champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is hard to believe when you're staring at this, when you're watching this match, but they would go super far. Uh, also, Gangrel really did lead, lead, uh, lead 
Jeez, the uh, vampire lifestyle off screen. Him and Luna had vampire uh, bite tattoo marks and they bit each other at their wedding. Just so, just putting it all out there. Uh, some little facts and figures here. Um, yeah, I, I had a few things about this. So, you know, I, I, I think the idea of, of calling it a good TV match, I think, is about right. But, like, honestly, I was a little starved for wrestling. So I was like, this is a fun match. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought, like, the the Christian and Edge tandem offense stuff was really fun. Um, like cool. every time, like every time, uh, Edge would like you know get like uh straddle the back arms like a like a human cross or cross symbol, uh, and then Edge would like jump off. The, uh, sorry, Christian would jump off the top ropes and like kick the guy, and and like and uh, Edge would roll him up into a pin. I thought that was really cool. There was a really good um, baseball slide uh, into the outside of the ring that did something similar. I, I like that was fun stuff for me. I enjoyed it. Edge and Christian are great, and, it, and if you like Edge and Christian's tandem offense, now just you're in for a mm. lot of fun coming up. Uh, but we I was all are. Try, I was trying to find because they do a sort of uh, a move that is famous with the Hardy Boys, which is the poetry in motion, which is when one partner gets out on all fours, the other one runs and jumps off his back. Uh, and they did, like, a variation of that here. And I was, like, trying to research, like, where it originated. Uh, and Because, like, the Hardy Boys are still haven't really come into their own yet. I don't know if they've started using that move. But anyway, I couldn't find anything so inconclusive. Sorry. But uh, they, I liked when they did that uh, sort of poetry in motion-esque uh, double-team maneuver. Uh, and yeah. everyone apparently this time knew that Christian was a really good worker that he was like really good in the ring, which is like why he was featured in so many matches and why, when there's a lot of uh, tag team brood action it ends, it ends up being like edge and Christian or gang and Christian. Cause they really liked, uh, they just thought everyone thought Christian was a really good worker. Uh, but edge, everyone kind of knew that edge was going to be the bigger star. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, um, I really, I, yeah. Yeah. And the nerve and the talent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was funny that in the beginning of the match, like Midian and Christian were doing the ground game. They were both like slithering on the ground <laughs> across from each other. Uh, also, oh, you're gonna slither? Oh, uh, oh, I was I, I was gonna. Oh, we can, I I guess we could both slither. Yeah, yeah. We'll no, both, yeah. yeah they, listen, it's like it's three dimensional chess. Like there's the guys who are on the ground, then there's the guys in the middle, and then there there should be guys on the top rope, like <laughs> facing off from different posts. Um, so, okay, uh, I, I, I started kind of going down this, like, rabbit hole of thoughts while I was watching this, because I thought it was really, really funny. Like, every time, every once in a while, I get, like, um, desensitized to Gangrel, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's Gangrel, it's great. And then I snap back into reality, and I'm like, wait, is a vampire, like, arguing with a ref? Like, you know, like they, they have those things in the in the the tag matches where like, you know, the ref is occupied uh, and can't see what's happening because like one of the wrestlers is arguing with them. And I'm like, it's just a weird thing to me for like Gangrel the Vampire to be like, come on, ref, what are you doing? Yeah, it would like, kind of be like, officiate properly. Kind of like if, a, if a, a vampire like parked in a handicap spot and got a ticket, would he argue with the police officer about it? Like right, you, right. Like He's you like, post- no, 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 clear. Ah, no, I was just going in for a minute. <laughs> right, or like, you're so, uh, uh, municipal law says that you must put up the no parking sign five days in advance. <laughs> this is bullshit. 
Um, I also the question I also had was, um, what is the silliest gimmick that a wrestler has had where the wrestler has still gone like supernova in terms of over? And I don't I don't know that Gangrel is super over. I think he's like he's over. I think I think the crowd likes him, but I'm t- I'm talking like you know the upper 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 echelon and like had like I guess the the reason I I come to this question is uh you know like watching Gangrel and thinking about like Gangrel was like I'm going to come into wrestling as the wrestling vampire and like when you do that do you think that that is, what are you like going into it going I'm taking a very limited niche position or do you think like the sky's the limit you know what I mean <laughs> like so like uh, is like do can we think of or can you do you guys know of like the silliest silliest gimmick that a wrestler has had where they've you know like mankind's not even that's not that gimmick's not silly but like to well, see mankind go over the way he did is impressive. I mean, you could argue the Undertaker <laughs> is a pretty you know what I mean like uh, the uh, just on concept alone like on paper written down and also on camera for example this pay per view. But, uh, I mean, the boogeyman is also like I think an example that I, it pops to mind of someone who got over with a ridiculous gimmick. Doink uh, the clown, Doink the clown. But it's also, even I, I guess even even like um, Elias, whose gimmick was just I'm gonna come down, I'm gonna play a song where I'm gonna insult everybody. Honky tonk get... man. Yeah. I mean, that has a long tradition uh, of of the, of the singing songs about how much you hate the the town you're in. There's like a, I guess it also depends on what your definition of getting over is, because not everyone's going to be a main eventer or a world champ, but that doesn't mean they're not over. I mean, like mm-hmm. look at, I mean, even look at AEW now with Orange Cassidy, uh, and so the idea, I guess, like any gimmick, could work if you. It's all in, I guess, the ex. It's the devil's in the details. Oh, and when I say over, I yeah, I I mean yes, gimmicks work, and that's the point of them. Like people do go over. I what I mean is like they they rise through the stratosphere and they like they have the silly gimmick and they're all of a sudden they are a main eventer they are uh they are going to be in the running for the title mul- maybe multiple times that kind of thing um i don't i'm not i i see i i think the undertaker cuz when the undertaker premiered i remember he was like it was like, holy shit, this guy is, like, of another world. And, like, you know, because uh, I, th- I think he premiered, like, basically as a rival for Hulk Hogan. And I remember being like, holy shit, I don't know if Hulk Hogan can, like, defeat him. He looks like he's unstoppable. So, like, to me, that's not particular. Like, right, it's but, silly because we're adults. But, yeah, but, but you, like, exactly. it's not silly in the world. But you were you were a child at that point. And, and so I think when you... When you step back and, and you look at the, the idea that this is a sports federation where you have people who compete in in no-holds-barred fighting to win a championship, um, all of a sudden introducing this giant dead guy with a, with a guy who screams in a high-pitched voice holding an urn, like, that is silly in and of itself. Okay. And also, I think that this is this is a a great question uh, for our listeners too. Can you think of the silliest person (laughs) who ever got over? (laughs) 
let us know. Email us at helladacellphone at gmail.com or Facebook or Twitter at helladacellpod. Yeah, I, I throw um, Ultimate Warrior and uh, Papa Shango in that in that pile as well. Mm. Of like, because those were a huge, uh, scary stars that also ha- were ridiculous if you think about it for two seconds. Jake the Snake, Brutus Beefcake. Yeah, that entire era was Brutus the Bar Beefcake is pretty funny. All, all the main eventers were were jokes. You know, I mean, everything was a joke. Everything was like big and silly in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I guess there's I think a lot of answers to that. Okay. okay, well, um, get to get to DMing us. Let us know what you think. Who you think is the silliest person to go over? Um, also, another quick question. Um, sorry, I don't mean to like uh, uh, hijack us with with my inner monologue uh, or with my inner thoughts, but these were all things I was thinking about. Um, the crowd was chanting "Midian sucks," right? Yeah. So, and I and I was writing. The crowd's right. Like, Midian does suck. Um, So wait, wait, Eric, you understood the chant that the crowd made? uh, In in this, when the crowd chants pure truth, I'm just (laughs) able to acknowledge it. I'm like, wow, oh my God, that came through like a bolt of lightning. The crowd really wanted to make sure this message was heard. They enunciated. They actually had an ASL translator (laughs) on the Titantron. They were actually going, Eric, Midian sucks. (laughs) Mike check. I they um, subtitled themselves, but they did. <laughs> they all hold up letters. Um, so, but here's my question: Does this make him a good heel? Is he? No. Is this the the Baron Corbin role type of uh, sucks, or is this like he's just? They're like, you are not a. This is not a good gimmick. You are yeah. not a good wrestler. We do not like you. This is what one calls bad heat. Uh, this is yeah. like the this is, the crowd hates him, but not the way they're supposed to. Uh, like I think Baron Corbin is the opposite. We're, we're supposed to we're supposed to hate Baron Corbin as much as we do. Uh, sure. And sometimes I think they're complaining because Baron Corbin's overbooked uh, and in repetitive roles. But overall, it's not heat like this where it's like no no no. They think that Dennis Knight, the performer, is bad, and this character is bad, and this everything about it is bad, and they don't want to watch it anymore. Not that they think his actions are reprehensible, or they disagree with his tactics. Right. Okay. That's I because like that's what I was thinking, but you know I'm always like I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the like. He serves a good purpose being something that that draws the crowd's hate. But yeah, it seemed like bad heat. Yeah, this is Rocky sucks back when he was Rocky Maivia. Um, we'll talk about the Acolytes for a second here because, um, Bobby, you talked about um, the brood when you were when you were young, a young lad and about yes. how you were legitimately like a little scared of the brood. Yep. Um. The acolytes are not scary, but there's some kind of mystique to them as well. And to me, what I was thinking about with them is early Braun Strowman. When they first brought yeah. Braun Strowman in there and it just kind of like um, uncollapsible. You, you, you never saw Braun Strowman get knocked off of his feet. And I think that's why the acolytes still to still to this day hold a level of mystique to me that even when Bradshaw was doing the dumbest things with the dumbest face, I was very excited for him to get to here. And the acolytes remind me a little bit to um, 
of like the uh, AOP. Like they, there's like there's certain there's like a a, a line of tag teams that mm. are they're just like they're silent and they're just the brawling doesn't even really describe it. It's like, it's just like, they're just like a, they come through with like a stampede of violence. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find them, you know, they didn't have the sort of dark overtures cultiness that they even probably should have had for this gimmick. They were just almost like Legion of Doom, just like two tough sons of bitches that just mm-hmm. want to go out and just kick ass. I never found, I never found them as like uh, inherently, they, they were more actually real world frightening than they were sort of like, Mm-hmm. kind of frightening i would be more afraid to run into the acolytes than the brood uh in a dark alley is this um is this bradshaw's last gimmick is this no. the one? Oh god no but this is when it starts this is definitely the rise of of uh bradshaw and, for and this i think like the two of them together this is this is something we want to stick with and brings out the best in both of them because this isn't even the acolytes last gimmick yeah all right. And that's one of the reasons why, um, to kind of get into the end of the match, it was a little annoying that they needed Viscera to win against the Brood. It felt like um, the Acolytes in and of themselves, I guess Midian there kind of is, is a detraction, and, um, and the Brood is, is supposed to be a better, uh, sold as the better um, combination offense, but I feel like the Acolytes, with the strength and the power that they portrayed them to up until this point, should have been able to uh, to handle this on their own. Yeah, to me, this match wasn't... The Acolytes, it's, it's a shame that they're kind of an afterthought in the match. I just think, in general, the finish is designed to keep the Brood, you know, uh, looking fresh and and competent and good having a good showing in this match but still you know the ministry is the biggest thing in the wwf right now it's the most important storyline unfolding everywhere so i could see how they were sort of like trying to book a finish that kept both teams looking strong yeah that's that's exactly what they what i what they were doing right it was just like we can't we can't let the brood lose anything just one more silly thing that I made note of here is like nowadays when um, I think about like Cesaro having the the branded Kinesio tape on his back, but it looked like um, Midian and Edge just wrapped their wrists in green and purple electrical tape. Yeah. They- oh, I, I didn't catch that. Okay. <laughs> uh, back- Sounds good. <laughs> Moving on. Um Backstage, Rock is dragging the Smoking Skull belt, and that's all we see of that. Such disrespect. So disrespectful. Uh, then we get into um, the hardcore match. Hardcore Holly versus Al Snow. Um, I'm going to say, by the way, that Hardcore Holly definitely comes from the Bradshaw family of stupid faces. <laughs> Um, he, he he looks like he's got a real dumb face. Did you guys did you guys clock the um the picture of Hardcore Holly like the still picture of them for like the face off like title card where he's got the belt folded like in and onto itself but he's only holding it he's got it like resting on his shoulder and he's only holding it with like three fingers from each hand. No, I missed this. No, it was. <laughs> There was something very silly about it to me, and now I wish I'd taken a picture to send it, because apparently we do that now. Um, <laughs> but next time I will. Maybe he was uh, he was like Scotty from uh, Star Trek, where he's actually missing a finger. Huh. 
Um, in the build up to this one, Al Snow is refusing to let anyone else pin Hardcore Holly. He wants to win the belt back and prove himself the crown prince of Hardcore. There was a really fun one on April 12th on Raw, D'Lo versus Hardcore Holly. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings got into it and uh, more use of hockey sticks between these two. Man, these hardcore matches are fun, and we, go, we certainly get a lot of them tonight. I really I really like them, and I know I shouldn't because I don't want people to really hurt themselves in real life, but boy, is it fun to watch. This one's a like, blast. I, there's, I, I, it's just crazy to me to think of, like, if we think of the pay-per-views we were watching when we first started this podcast, and then even just, like, zoom out Forest for the Trees on this pay-per-view of, like, the kinds of stories, the kinds of matches, the kinds of characters. It's like, a, it really is a whole different product and i think i re i think we're getting you know we, we used to talk a lot about like is this officially out of today are we officially into it yet is this the prelude is this the tipping point but i think we are unquestionably and like this pay-per-view is such an attitude era pay-per-view through and through from tip to toes it's unbelievable totally um, and it's matches like this that's like even unheard of again today like this these are such a product and not you know obviously hardcore and death matches are so much bigger than the attitude area and have a different history all of their own but in terms of like the just the wwf wwe product this is such like an artifact of a moment in time and and i kind of miss it yeah from that first shot with the uh with the hardcore belt and al getting busted up was it the hard way or was he blading do you think he was blading okay on this i think this was that was a work that was a, a a little bit of a a blade job there hell i i mean then i love that then blading from the very first shot that's awesome I mean, yeah, it, I um when when I was uh when I watched this, I was like, oh, this is a good match. But then I also was like, I what do I know? I'm like, I, I feel like I'm like these matches are like teaching me how to you know how to enjoy a hardcore match because like, I, you know, I I seem to not quite be uh, calibrated for it yet. But I thought this was really fun. Sorry, what were you gonna say? You're probably gonna say something about the the blading job. I, I just want uh, to point out that it's like crazy. I think just in general, the brawling style of the Attitude Era. I mean, like we're going to talk a lot about it in a lot of these matches on this pay-per-view, including the main event. Uh, but that was just like so the norm all the time that it's like, you know, now when, we, when we're like, wow, that was a great pay-per-view, that was a great match. It's always because there was these like amazing spots and this incredible athleticism and like a top rope Spanish fly and like all of these kinds of things. And, like, back then it was just, like, we're just going to punch each other a whole lot and then hit each other with things. And, like, that's the yeah. whole match. I mean, like, I mean, I, we'll talk about it later, but I feel like there was barely a suplex between Austin and The Rock. It's, like, it's crazy. Uh, it's just, yeah. like, that was what rest. This is what wrestling was. Um, and I don't know if I wanted to go back to that. And I think in some ways I'm more beguiled by, like, some of the things they pull off today. But... I think I feel it especially with any 24-7 title segment, as much as I love R-Truth, to, like, miss the sort of all the behind-the-scenes, falls-count-anywhere sort of uh, hardcore action, which will continue to develop more. But um, I'm, glad we're, I'm glad I get to at least relive it with you guys. Well, it's, it's, it's nice to get a taste of it on the um in here where i feel like when it goes to like hardcore and we're recording this the same day as um extreme rules so tonight we're going to maybe watch someone literally get their eye pulled out on tv and then midian will keep it in a jar i don't know um 
but now when you get to say like um what was it um edge and randy orton at wrestlemania there's such a mean-spiritedness about the hardcore where whereas this is like oh we're 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 having fun doing this this is the shit that we do i love it i eat this shit for breakfast yeah it's almost it's almost right. cartoony it like the violence yeah. is almost cartoony it doesn't feel real which is why you know i think a bunch of like children watching were probably like oh it's fun <laughs> I, I can hit my friend with a sink you know what i mean like i get i get why this is happening now but at the same time, it is there. It's so it's like it's heightened to the point of ridiculous. Uh huh. Well, I mean, like it's it actually is extremely funny. The like the assortment of objects that happen to be stored under a ring. Oh, like, oh God, yeah. What? Why do they have two pans? I don't even know. What? It's not it, and like and you know to the point where the 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 announcers comment on it well, yeah like, what are they what are they planning on cooking something down but there? no well, but obviously... no but but also i i'm i was fucking annoyed at jerry lawler making that comment saying why do you why do they keep pans and, and cookie sheets under the ring if he's not going to offer up a justification for it but that's what an announcer should do is like and then jr could say oh you know cookie the lovable cook always keeps his pans underneath the ring or he sneaks down there with a bottle of whiskey in between matches just give me something in there to explain it and i'm fine with it right you can't wink you can't wink too hard when you're part of the product Mm mm-hmm also, Harker Holly had a sourdough starter that he was just hoping to hit the right time. <laughs> if he could just get that in the oven, him and Al Snow were going to literally break bread uh, over each other's heads, but they were going to do it. Yeah. By the way, I was going to say the the pans that they uh, that they use on each other. Uh, you might think they're gimmicked, but they are actually the pans that every twenty-something buys in that like set of eight when they move <laughs> into their first apartment. It's like it, they, they they didn't have to gimmick any more than that. It's the same exact quality. I still have those pants. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. My wife was like, we're buying new pants. We're, we're getting good pants, okay? And I was like, yes, yes, we will. <laughs> but can I hit my friends with the other ones? Yes, okay. Uh, there was a little uh, a little Easter egg in this match. I don't know if anybody caught it. Do tell. I'll take that as a no. Uh, I'm not sure. Did he did he literally hit him with an Easter egg? (laughs) I wish. Uh, Cadbury cream egg is actually what I would prefer. Um, He is risen matched. Al Snow did a little uh, hockey stick ninja move. Yeah, yeah, that was was awesome. A a callback though to an earlier gimmick that he was forced to have in the WWF in '95 when he was wrestling as Avatar, which was like a ninja inspired by the popularity of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So. Oh, because sure he's been that. he's been doing that for a while, actually. He that like that's been a, I, I feel like a, a lot of uh, things that we've seen. Um, I, I forget which if it was like a pay per view or when we were starting to do some stuff about hardcore stuff. He was basically doing I, that's when I called him um, Casey Jones because uh, he would he Leaf would Cassidy. You mean what do you mean? No, Leaf no, no, Cassidy no. was Casey Jones from the Turtles. Oh, I, I, like, Casey, yes, yes, yes. Like, I, I was thinking. I was saying he was acting like Casey Jones. So funny. I so, was thinking of the monkeys. Oh, I was thinking Leaf Cassidy. <laughs> Sorry, where it's no, weird that that's Davy Jones. It actually both made. It still kind of made sense in every interpretation. What a weird uh, <laughs> experience that was. 
Wait a second. Was Al Snow the first airbender? (laughs) (laughs) He mastered water. Those are definitely some Aang moves right there that he was doing. Um, by the way, I, I would say, uh, breaking the hockey stick arguably makes it less effective as a weapon. Like it was like, he's like, he breaks it over his knees. Like, oh good. Now I've got this like shortened piece of wood that ends in a splinter. I don't know, man. I'd rather get hit with a, uh, with the end of a, an intact hockey stick than with a broken one. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Okay. Um, I I liked that uh, when they were, um, I guess when they were backstage, uh, Hardcore Holly picked up a sink and they're like, it's the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. They were so excited about that. And of course he drops it and he bra- and it breaks. Um, and this was kind of probably a throwaway line by, uh, by JR. But he goes, the porcelain gods must be turning over in their graves. And I was like, so is this the WWE cosmology? Like the old <laughs> gods are dead. We've we've killed the porcelain gods. All hail the new gods. Well, you, well, you know how you pray to the porcelain gods, right? You get your head in the fucking toilet. <laughs> get your head in the toilet. I also want to be like JR. Then that would make it the bathroom sink, right? <laughs> also, kitchen sinks are usually don't look like that. I think that mm. was the bathroom sink, and he was mistaken. <laughs> No, that's more like it's more like the laundry room sink, like that weird sink that you're supposed to use for like your delicates. It's the mud room. You can't put them in the washing machine. <laughs> it's the mud room sink. <laughs> well, I'd honestly rather um, they have that conversation than go back and forth about whether it was Freon or water or whatever was in the thing that was oh. sprayed. That was later. Wait, that's later. That's though. later. That's later. That's later. That was so. That was what, also so, very annoying. But go on, sorry. So what, what What do you think happens in the Civic Center when they're outside for, like, 10 minutes, like, doing this match? Like, like people who paid to be... I'm, I guess I'm going back to my old, uh, my old gripe about, like, the boiler room brawls and all that stuff. Like, what happens in the Civic Center when they're, like, out of the ring? Is it just kind of like... Let's all watch TV together. And you know, and you, you know, Eric, I I've had that similar gripe in the past, but I can't imagine a paying customer watching this or watching the Boiler Room Brawl with a whole bunch of people who love this product the same level that they love them, kind of like together, like the 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 communal feeling of watching this thing together and the oh shits together. I think that it I think it works for for these guys. Fair enough. Cosine. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that kind of covers it. And I, I think if you look at the layout of the card too, they don't have like sort of two of these matches back to back. And even this match, like while it did spend a lot of time uh, backstage, like started and ended in front of the live crowd, um, which I think is important. Yeah, which is important and smart. But then also, man, that spot, um, first them fighting the TV truck was very funny to me to see them in the monitors while they are fighting over some guy whose like job it is to move all the knobs. And then um, that back body drop onto the, uh, the car outside I thought was really, really cool. I like the car and then the I, elbow drop. That was a really good mm-hmm. spot. And I, I think it made up, it looked like a really painful like spot you just had to take, which I think helped justify the absolutely ridiculous, clearly not painful at all dumpster spot they did earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought it was funny the way that like when they were doing all the stuff on top of the cars, I was like, how are all these cars parked? (laughs) Was it like everyone just like parked facing into each other? And it was just like 
a uh like when you try to like pack all the food into a refrigerator but with like different size cars like no car would be able to get out of any of those spots <laughs> everything was like it was like lined up for like grave digger to roll over all of them someone's um, honking that gang girl the vampire blocked him in <laughs> Right, it's like it's like a it's like a side street in like a, in Italy where like they're like oh yeah like nobody we all just park here uh, if you need to move you just tell the neighbors they'll uh, everyone will will move their cars to let <laughs> Gi- you out Giuseppe will throw down his keys. <laughs> um, and even that superplex onto the table that seems like a spot I've seen a million times, but it seems that I don't know that I've I've seen that before in our rewatch. Hmm. I can't think now if I have or haven't. It was a great. It was a great. Even though that table looked like it was made out of like an actual shaving from a pencil, um, <laughs> the way they landed on that spot looked bad. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's it. I rarely do I see that executed in a way where it's believable that both people are that uh, decimated by it. Mm-hmm. Where usually it's like, oh, both men are down after a superplex. It's like, yeah, but one guy is faking. <laughs> like, even, even like if you're in it, you're like, oh, yeah, but it doesn't look like it actually took the worst out of both of them. It should have just taken the worst out of one of them and mm-hmm. maybe even the one receiving it. But anyway, uh, I thought this one was a really I was like, OK, no, wow, that looks like actually, yeah, this the way they landed did hurt properly for both. And then to get into the end, I, I really liked the way that um, first the count first the count out was really dumb and. Thank you, Jr., for pointing out that the 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 countout was dumb. But then Holly just kind of like resting his arm on um on Al Snow and them looking like it, it enough had been taken out that that might be enough to get the three count. And then Al shoots up, and then finally the hit with head, and then the pin with the arm with head in it was great. Yeah, uh, I also immediately put down in my note. I was like, head should be the hardcore champion. So I'm glad that. <laughs> That uh, Al Snow hit that note in the interview afterwards. Man, Al Snow rules. Yeah, he's so good. Well, you know what happens now, you guys. What's now? That? The calamity begins. <laughs> now the destruction begins. Now <laughs> the tragedy begins, and it begins with no audio. <laughs> Oh, no, I thought that was perfect. I was like, Hmm. you know what? If you're going to jump in on Undertaker giving a promo, the best way to do it is to come in in the middle of a sentence for him where you can't even hear it. Because it's like, again, as meaningful. The the end is as meaningful as the beginning. It's like there, it's all there's nothing to any of it. Do you know what the Undertaker is saying? (laughs) (laughs) So like. This is what sort of breaks the world. Like the, the reason why this pissed me off so much because like, it breaks the whole world. Because if we were to say say this went off without a hitch, and we're dropped in and we're watching the Undertaker have like a huddle with his ministry, <laughs> so the idea. I mean, like we're supposed to as viewers pretend like we're flies in the wall and not ask how we're supposed to be watching it. We're not supposed to be like, oh, the ministry's having a huddle and they have it scheduled with the production crew because they can check in and like do whatever. They have an interview. They're going live at three on the East Coast. You know what I mean? Like. It just seems very. Uh, it breaks the whole like logic of the whole world. Yeah, like, yeah. It's they're not saying... gonna. Um, you're not gonna have uh, like HBO Hard Knocks with the Ministry. You're not like gonna have training a camp down. with the Ministry. <laughs> I, I 
Or are we supposed to believe that the WWE's cameramen are like rogue, like a uh, roaming world <laughs> journalists, and they're like rushing this cult leader with a boom mic? You know what I mean? And trying to catch him on on air, like. Uh, what is got- and at which point Undertaker <laughs> is just going to be about his business with the camera ostensibly in his face as he looks dead into camera as if he- now the camera's part of this plan. The whole thing, I was like, everything about this makes no sense. Someone give me one one explanation for anything happening. The cameraman's got a fedora with a, with a little card that says precedent. It goes, ah, what a scoop. <laughs> Gets her right in his face. Excuse me, Mr. Taker, what are your feelings about the upcoming... It's like, what the fuck is... What am I supposed to believe is happening here? Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawlers is backstage. <laughs> I didn't see that. That was what that movie was about, right? It's a... Good enough. Nightcrawler? It's a, yeah, it's sort of. It, it's, a, it's a really good movie, actually. Ugh. Every time uh, Jake Gyllenhaal leaves a scene, you smell brimstone. <laughs> Uh, and then, so next up is a match that I probably should have hated a lot more than I did. Um, I knew you wouldn't. Same, 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 same. same. So we've got Goldust versus Godfather. It starts off with Bluedust doing his version of the grind, which is as sexy as Sable's version of the grind. That's, that's what I wrote too. I wrote exactly as sexy as Sable. My note was just Meanie sells this better. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but Jr. felt the need to say, "I'd rather see Sable grind." It's like, thanks, Jr. for that astute observation. I don't know if I would. I, I thought I, I'm like Blue Meanie. I love it. I, I, like I could watch that more times. And then I even, Godfather comes out sans hose with booze from the audience. Is like, all right, you want the hose? And the hose come out with them. And then King makes a comment about, ooh, I like her. She has a shoulder tattoo. What? Yeah. I didn't know that that's what turned him on. By the way, I I do like it. It's It's a fine little detail that when the Godfather has the intercontinental belt, or champ, sorry, intercontinental championship. Uh, his stable grows like it's like his power. The the hose are a, an expression of the Godfather's like uh, power being manifested. If he ever won the I world mean... championship, there would just be like you wouldn't be able to move in the ring. <laughs> it would be like the world, the beginning of the of like uh, the the battle royale. Aaron, I I, I hate to to come for your faves here. Um, so that your faves are problematic. Uh, but I do believe it is part of our remit to discuss how these things reflect back. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I find, you know, obviously the Godfather is a good time guy. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're led to believe he doesn't use any kind of violence or extortion over the the women in his employ. Uh, but I, it, it's hard to go. It, it is hard to watch us and be like, this is not this isn't okay or sex positive or is it it's not it's a little it's kind of but it's bad well the problem Uh, is the problem is the women have no agency yes the women here are are simply stage dressing and that sucks and i think that that if he had like several um recurring hosts who would speak and have characters and have agency and talk about how they love doing this with their body and, and all of that. Then it would make this a lot easier to watch today for me. Right. Uh, the lyrics to Private Dancer are actually uh, from the perspective of one of the Godfather's hoes. 
I want to make a million dollars. Um, I I was wondering. I mean, I was thinking about it from a from not the problematic angle. Obviously, it's problematic, but from the angle of like, imagine like one of these women like like having her acting resume, like her her uh, her TV and movie resume, where it says like, oh uh, yeah, like I was at the WWF. I was uh, a member of the Ho Train. Yeah, I, The Godfather is an interesting character, but I also was thinking that I saw The Brood earlier, which was my favorite wrestler of the t- wrestlers of the time, and I think, you know, it's... Yeah, I think about what that says about me. And then Aaron's favorite wrestler was The Godfather at the time. And no, sure. Eric, this is sort of a... a and I, 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 we can think about what that says about him. Uh, and I, I don't think it's bad things, but, you know, that you're, like, a good time guy. Uh, and it's like jolly and fun. And I'm wondering, Eric, what would have your like, uh, like this is similar to sort of like the which queer eyes your sun, moon and rising. You know what I mean? <laughs> which, which wrestler this time do you think would you have been into at the age you would have been? Does that make sense? <laughs> I saw. I, yeah, I saw a quiz on uh, on BuzzFeed the other day, which was what is your um, what is your your Harry Potter house? character from hamilton and oh, pokemon are are you like all at once it, it oh my god so i'm basically the... asking for that <laughs> yeah i yeah it's hard you know it's hard for me to um to put myself back into that world i, I i'm pretty sure i would have hated i, I would have uh found the godfather not interesting to me um I don't. I think I. I probably would have found the brood to be silly. I don't know. Like around that time, I'm trying to think. Like, I. I think I probably would have liked. Al- I mean, no. I. It, it's gonna sound like I'm trying to get cool points, but like, I think I would have really liked Al Snow. I don't mm. know. I don't. Know. I feel like. I'm not sure. I feel like I, there I can't was. Do this. I feel like there was a self seriousness about Eric that wouldn't have let him like Al Snow back then. Yeah, I, I think I, I would buy Mankind, I think. But I almost feel like Made Adventures almost don't count for this. It almost needs to be like, what's a weird, like, uh, being you'd be really into, I don't know, uh, test. No, not literally, you know what I mean? But like, what's like a not, uh, maybe off kilter well, thing I mean, that, maybe, that reveals uh, maybe, more about you? Maybe Owen Hart. Oh, yep, that's the answer. That's yeah. the answer. Never mind, moving on. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like, because like, because honestly, the real answer is the self-serious Eric wasn't watching wrestling because I think most of it didn't resonate with me. So it's like if I, you know, we're imagining an alternate universe where I, you know, started to see the things about wrestling that are really fun. And and then I would appreciate the, the those things about it. But yeah, maybe Owen. I, I, I think like Mankind, if I had like the, the, if I had more exposure to Mankind and kind of like seen the gamut i think i think he would have uh he probably would have won me over but again yeah you're right he's a main eventer thank you Um, for indulging me in that (laughs) i like the the shenanigans in this match too i liked when um when uh when goldust pulled out what looks like his grandmother's ashes but i guess with some kind of powder and then gets it into the face, and then him attacking the blue meanie, and then just the look on the Godfather's face of this motherfucker right here as all of that is going on. 
Yeah, um, I uh, that's what I was actually about to get into. Um, I was on board for this comedy. I thought it was very fun. Uh, there was, was it, wait, was it, there was, was it this one? No, no, no. They, they do some, they have some good comedy in this pay-per-view because they do some good comedy with, uh, I think with Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart as well, but we'll get into that. Um, but with this, I, I was like, you know, when he gets blinded by his own, I guess, salt or whatever it is, uh, and then all of a sudden Goldust is extremely capable while apparently blinded like to the degree where he's like he's like i got him in the corner he like he's like before i I give him the move let me like let me amp up the crowd for shattered dreams so it's just like very very i don't know very funny to me yeah i just i was like you know what i'm on board with all of this able to place his legs on the rope as he is blinded at the same time right cannot tell that um that the blue mini's body type is uh is different in any way from uh the godfather's body type never mind he's not wearing like a sequined vest or whatever (laughs) you know what i mean i feel like that would be a pretty good giveaway and then like you think that goldust would be like i'm missing a sense i should probably verify a little bit better what i'm doing yeah and then blue meanie falling on goldust's dick was it was still funny for me yeah it all clicked this all clicked for me it was i mean it was exactly what it you know what it set out to do and i think it was very it was a very successful that one thing watching this match that kind of made me long for something earlier is just seeing how strong the godfather is um in in how they're selling his strength i feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity in the nation to kind of sell him as more of a powerhouse yeah, but i mean that... i think next to mark henry it was yeah Mark Henry was the was the muscle. Yeah, as I was saying it, that kind of came up, and and Farouk is obviously like ripped as hell too. So, yeah, so you can see why he sort of faded into the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that his. I have a note that like I don't like that his. I never and this I never liked that his finisher, the Death Valley Driver. It's like I, Godfather. It's like how do you not brand that something else? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, made no uh, sense call it the cash out or whatever you know what i mean like give it some other like name that's you know i think there's like it's just so ripe for it's just low-hanging fruit and i i, I can't believe that was like a missed opportunity for them call it the low-hanging also, fruit the godfather uh said that gold dusk uh was a scrub before this which is what i was alluding to yes earlier yes very topical <laughs> the godfather the godfather was on top of popular music of the time And he don't want no scrubs. He needs this scrub to get him where uh, he needs to be. And in that um, uh, hoe ho pile, puppy pile at the end, I don't know what they were. Oh, boy. Um, there was one of those women's uh, full nipple was out. Just full nipple was was out. The uh, and No one seemed to let her know, which seemed like uh, bad friends. You know what I mean? Uh, no one gave her the heads up. Also, then the Godfather made a boner joke after, which made me very uncomfortable. Yep. Was it fully... Was it fully out and not censored on the WWE Network? Out and not censored, as far as I could tell. <laughs> there you go. Any children watching this, if you can't have, don't have all the porn on your phone already, you can go back and yeah, find this one nipple. If you could get on WWE Network, you could get better nipples. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, I was, I was talking about this the other day. It's like, uh, there's just something about, like, you know, 
it, it, it's the the joy of discovery you know like mm-hmm. yeah do we have access to literally everything or to to you know boobs at a moment's notice yes but you know it's not that boob <laughs> each, each boob is a new boob like like bobby how many dick pics is enough for you wow wow never enough there's there's the limit does not exist <laughs> <laughs> Each one is beautiful and special in its own way. Uh, yes. So I, that's... I see your point now. <laughs> so that's when we go backstage to um, the aforementioned conversation between Al Snow and Head, where there is an argument ensuing in the mind of Al Snow over who is the legitimate hardcore champion. Although, is it in his mind? Hard to say. Well, what's but the I... other option? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's in the bathroom, so that's the other option. First of all, more um, backstage segments should happen beside a urinal. This was like such a. I was like, this is everything about this is perfect. Uh, like, I get to see Al Snow being like, no, shoot me in front of the fucking urinal. Uh, it, it, it added something to this. I think Al Snow is so good too at having that only half of the conversation. Like his timing and his reactions actually were really good like like someone took like a, a an improv at least to 301 i think <laughs> he was playing the but he still couldn't get on a harold team no maybe lloyd uh but he uh <laughs> he definitely was like working the top of his intelligence yeah you, you know that uh that eric silver while watching this was so excited that he figured out that uh that you know the the thing that Al Snow was going to talk about was the fact that <laughs> he and Head were arguing over who pinned uh, Bob Holly. Like I was, I, I I all caps wrote yes yes called it. <laughs> you, nothing nothing makes me happier in this world than predicting something and having that thing happen. And you know what? Then it makes me upset because I'm like, you shouldn't have let me predict it. <laughs> you never truly enjoy anything in the moment that it is. Well, that's how you enjoy things, (laughs) by being upset all the time. Well, I had very difficult time enjoying anything from the next match, where we've got the New Age Outlaws versus Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. You didn't like that shiznit? (laughs) God. Aaron, you're being such a bizitch. (laughs) I mean, Nathan Nathan doesn't watch a lot of wrestling with, with me. Uh, obviously, and there could, there's so much of it all the time, and I just it could not have been worse timing for him to be like around while this match was going on. Like anyone who may have seen Nathan's Twitter ever, um, it was like literally just like living in a series of like peak Nathan tweets of like rage <laughs> the entire time about how like offensive and dumb and everyone's a motherfucker. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So this is I really had a bad experience watching this one. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had, okay, so on a positive note, I will say, uh, again, this is probably just because I, I just truly missed pay-per-views. Um, I, I kind of said, like, I would love to time travel to be in the crowd for one of those entrances. Like, I love that entrance, and I think it, it's, it looks so much fun to be a part of. Did we, but we got to do the, and I feel it's very similar, the Enzo and Cass, which of course, very problematic now, and we would not do, uh, and, you know, I wish I didn't do, uh, but we did, I believe we had the chance to do that at one of the live shows we went to, and that, that was a very similar, that's a very similar experience, right? Yeah. And, and. We're making that up. We did that, right? We did that, and we've done, uh, we did the New Day. Oh, that's true. Yes. 
So we've gotten we've gotten yeah. some of this, but we but have a taste of it. You're right. There is but, something. You know, to this. I just want it every time. To the point where even oh. when they play their music, leaving everyone is saying the words along to it. It's there's there's a Pavlovian response when you hear the um that. Like I feel like if I if I was in a funeral and like from the outside I just heard da, 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 under my breath I would have to go oh you didn't know <laughs> right we're gonna play that uh, at my funeral just <laughs> just just like leave it hanging there for like five seconds until it, someone says it yep Aaron will say oh you didn't know and then I will <laughs> lean into I will lean into your open casket whisper into your ear your ass better call your somebody. ass better call somebody. <laughs> Tears dripping from your eyes into to leave one last little bit of yourself in that casket as you whisper in his ear, your ass better call somebody. Uh, It's going to be really hard because Jews don't do open casket, but I might have to make an exception for this. Talia will be like, you guys really have to leave. (laughs) Oh, you didn't know, Eric? Your ass better call somebody. (laughs) like just start the uh, the eulogy that way. Uh, no, Eric um, Eric jogs every day, so the idea that he's even at his age outliving uh, the two of us, I think, is pretty oh, laughable. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll be lucky if I'm around to make it to the ruthless aggression on this podcast. <laughs> uh, ruthless aggression is actually what happens when Nate watches this match. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was, but the, the, what makes me, uh, disappointed is that I feel like there, like there was a good match happening in here. There was just so much bullshit laid on top of it, but there actually was yes. kind of good tag team action. Owen and Jeff are, are, it's impossible for them to have a bad match. I love, Billy Gunn got a hot tag at one point. They did a power slam that looked so good. Uh, even Road Dog was pulling out some, a little bit more drop kicks and a little bit more exciting offense, I feel like. Uh, like, there was a lot of enjoyable shit happening outside of, like, the humping and the bad jokes and the Deborah. Yeah. Show us your puppies chant. I mean, Eric, oh, God. This, feels, this is the beginning of puppies. Um, I don't know if it's the very first Genesis, but it is certainly the early days. And puppies will come to be something you have to hear so often and so disgustingly about that even if you didn't think it was offensive if you were like yes puppies that's a totally respectful way to talk about a woman's body and i love them puppies 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 even you would still be like too much too much stop it's going to happen now Uh. for years and jerry lawler is if you hated jerry lawler up until this point just you fucking wait because it is so bad and it will just be constant non-stop uh badgering about puppies ironically well that sucks yeah uh, i will say um at least we had road dog here the, the the voice of morality being like hey she wants to do it allow you're too controlling about f- towards this woman and that's yes the, there is the some agency here only agency, yeah. The only silver lining for what is in fact the titty stipulation, and the titty. Yeah, can you explain to me what was the background of this? Like, what is what does he mean? She wants to do it. Did she want to do it? What was going on? Well, we've seen before. Um, what was the match where Shawn Michaels came out and was like, "Oh, you didn't actually win the match. 
Uh, and that was WrestleMania. It's a strip. Yeah, so she had to strip, and and then she got really into it, and it turns out that she actually likes show uh, taking her clothes off in front of people. But in the lead up to this, there were singles matches between um, Jeff and Owen and the New Age Outlaws. I can't remember what the exact pairing was, but I think Road Dog was the first one, and he just walks out and goes, "Now if I win this match, you got to show off your puppies." And then when he lost the match, then Billy Gunn came out later and was like, okay, but when I win this match, you're going to show them puppies. And and so the fact that it's kind of being forced on her as like a stipulation that isn't really a stipulation, but then the audience is like, yeah, well, yes, of course, she's going to show her tits if they, lo- if they lose the match. Um, it's more bothersome. Also, I mean, they're going to use... This is a very weak WWE logic that they will continue to use now for years following. That it's like, ooh, but really the gag is she wants to be sexy. She wants to show everybody her nipples. You're like, what? Like, it's that... And and that makes everything okay for how we treat women and how we objectify them, like, on this program. It's because they want to be seen like this. They want to, like... Uh, own their sexuality and it's like presented in this like weird fake empowerment sort of narrative right like look at how she's dressing clearly she wants it um which speaking of which what was deborah dressed like because the i was trying to place it i thought it was maybe like a girl in a an 80s or 90s video game like maybe one of the women in smash tv but I couldn't quite. She was a, or maybe like magician's assistant. She was sexy ringmaster. I was gonna say she was out on a beach date with a ringmaster. Got a little chilly, borrowed <laughs> coat, and then ran to the ring. And then <laughs> yeah. she was like, "Oh shit, I have to be at the ring." You know, Deborah. She's always late. She always is pulled out of whatever. She was in the middle of a date uh, with a ringmaster on the beach. Borrowed his jacket and hightailed it to the pay per view. Yeah, if she had a top hat, then I'd be like, maybe she's the magician herself, but well, or, yeah. or the ringmaster herself. But yeah, well, sure. If she had a top hat and a monocle and a cane, she'd be Mister Peanut. But where <laughs> we are? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, can somebody out there in our can, can someone do Mister Peanut dressed as Deborah in this pay per view? Because I, <laughs> well, we not, all know, not sure if I would we, like it. We all know not Bob. with those curves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We all know Bobby Kankinson always complains about how he has no time to do anything. I'm sure he's going to spend some, some time tomorrow photoshopping that monstrosity together. It's there's a like there's Listen. A, there's a high chance. I mean, a chance I'll be high and that's what I'll use my time to do. Like yeah, can can you like is there ever enough photoshopped images of, of stupid shit just like dick pics? That's why my computer's bursting, you guys. I can't get enough of either of those things, and now my hard drive is constantly crashing. <laughs> so the New Age Outlaws go over, and they will face um, they'll face Kane and X Pac for the tag team championship at the very first episode of SmackDown, the pilot on UPN, which is going to air later this month. Um, one thing I want to point out just from this match, uh, and Bobby, you were, you were saying like this, this is a good, you know, there is some good in-ring stuff going on. They had some good comedy, right? There was like a, there was a fun little, um, thing where it was kind of like, um, you know, when they're, when like one guy is kind of bouncing off both ropes and like, there were like two guys in the ring and they, and like, I think 
yeah, I think there are two guys in the ring and one guy bouncing back and forth. And like they both have to kind of drop to the ground so that the so that uh, the guy can jump over them, and you know trying to figure out who he's going to like run into and clothesline. Uh, I thought that stuff was like I don't know there was something real funny about it. Like it felt very like old school. Um, I don't know Three Stooges or Scooby Doo or some shit like that. I also I like the finish of this match a lot. Uh, which is, if we can, can I talk about the finish, or do we have anything else we want to specific no. about the match? No, 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 go ahead. Uh, so, at the at the end of the match, is a, you know, there's a lot of sort of like uh, all four men sort of brawling all around, but uh, Owen gets Road Dog in the sharpshooter, Jarrett goes to put Billy Gunn in the figure four, Gunn and Hart are legal, uh, Billy Gunn kicks Jarrett to the outside, and while Owen has Road Dog in the sharpshooter, Billy Gunn hits the Famouser and, uh, gets the win, which I thought was a very cool, I thought was a very cool finish. I liked the Famouser on Owen while he had the sharpshooter, and I thought that was, like, a, a, a cool way to end the match. Hmm. By the way, this was a, 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 a thought process I went through at one point. Um, the way that they had the the camera on Deborah going back to her, it was like you could tell what the focus was because there was like a ring rope going right through her head, but you could see her cleavage front and center. And it made me wonder, does the WWE have like like specific height requirements around their valets in terms of, you know, the, the, the female valets in terms of, being able to have their boobs like above the ringside, but you know, but below the, the the first rope, you know what I mean? So like, is that how they determine like what what size heels the women should wear? I'm gonna say no. All right. Well, that's a thought. <laughs> I'm gonna say I, I think that it just basically is gonna come down to the fact that they like generally petite women as they like petite referees because it makes the guys look bigger. Uh, and I think they're all, so they're all going to be around probably the same height, just given the, the nature of, of that. The petite mandate. Yeah. And they're probably wearing about the same size heels because that's, you know, the look. So probably like a, I don't know what she was wearing. I mean, Zelina Vega now wears heels that are, I, I worry about her ankles, but, uh, yeah. Cause she's too short and they want to see her boobs. That's my point. Wow. Actually, maybe this goes straight to the top. It does. It's go well. It goes straight to the to the uh, first rope to the mid chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vince Russo's got yeah, a measuring so tape backstage. <laughs> this one works. This one you have to fix your nose. This one. That's a Pacific. It's a Pacific blue, blue call. call. No, we're past that, Eric. <laughs> That's from the before. Before. Now do we go backstage where Michael Cole is wearing a jean and button down combo? Oh, boy. Sure. So he's interviewing Shane McMahon, and Shane McMahon promises on his grandfather's grave that he will count one, two, three if Austin pins the rock. So uh, Shane's grandfather is Vincent James McMahon, and uh, Shane's father is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, Does that mean that there will at some point be a Vincent Lawrence McMahon? Is that? I'll let you stew on that for a little bit. <laughs> I was like, wait. Uh, 
the middle initial it's it goes J and then K, so I think the oh. next middle initial should be L for the next Vince. And then Vince Marlin McMahon, followed by or Vince McMahon McMahon. Oh, right, McVon, Vince McVon. <laughs> well, no, the worst part is after they get you know like in in a thousand years after they get to pass Z, they're gonna have to have Vince and then like two A's. It'll be like uh, Excel spreadsheets. Be Vince wow. Aaron. <laughs> no, I mean two A initials, you idiot. <laughs> Aaron. All right, now do two Bs, you fucking <laughs> Boyd. But like, where Lloyd is two L's. <laughs> well, no, they've got Lloyd covered, so that's good. Uh, Stephanie thinks he'll do the right thing, and then we move on to holy shit, this is fun. Wow. Yeah. Wheel out I the mean, cathode ray TVs because we got another boiler room ball brawl. This I got I, I think I, I think the beginning of it I think the beginning of it was a little slow for me, but there's a certain point where it's like, whoa, then it gets good. Yeah, I agree. I think seeing Big Show sort of like uh stroll in in his jeans, it looked like the way those jeans were fit, it looked like he had like a full other person, like he was two <laughs> people stacked on top of each other in those jeans. Uh, like it was just all lumpy hmm. and weird, and I was like, "Big Joe, what's happening?" In which like, what which the, would be what's... legal in this match. True, it would, but I'm more concerned for the person in there. Uh... Well, those were like Jennifer Aniston's jeans from like Friends, right? <laughs> like it was uh, it was the '90s. Everyone was wearing terrible jeans. It was actually the same pair. He uh, bought them on eBay. <laughs> well, it's a the sisterhood of the traveling <laughs> pants, but for Jennifer Aniston, Big Show, uh, and I don't know. Uh, Michael uh, Shawn Michaels, and it's so weird that those pants fit anyone. Anyone who wears them, when they stand next to the ring, their boobs are just over the apron, <laughs> but below the top, with the bottom rope. I um, I really, I was enjoying this match from the start. Just even some of the commentary at the beginning, where they said that mankind is undefeated in boiler room brawls. This is the second one of that nature. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. And then they get in there, and there's a door that says "Danger, High Voltage." And then, um, I did l- go back to check this, but I think King says, "What is that?" And Jr. says, "That's the room where they keep the electricity." <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep the door open; you'll let the electricity out. You just got people backstage shoveling the electricity into the room. <laughs> That's where we keep that all the electricity so for the entire building. <laughs> uh, also nothing happens when he goes into that closet we don't even get like the the you know the the stage shocking yeah, like, and like, flip the lights on and off right like or or like when he holds a light bulb it now turns on <laughs> i like uncle fester i like when they pass some sort of big oven or kiln or glass blowing glory hole and uh, Eric, uh, Eric, Jerry Lawler. Sorry, that was weird. Jerry Lawler. What? Says, what? You fucking. <laughs> but Jerry Lawler goes, is that a giant iron lung? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess no. This arena in Providence doesn't have a giant iron lung in it for no reason. <laughs> I think it's very funny that like, like this is the second boiler room brawl and they are still not familiar with a boiler room. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what is in a boiler room. <sighs> um, 
Did anybody? So for me, the match really picked up once the glass started shattering. Yep, yep, but then yep. I got concerned because I was like, oh, no, they're shattering all the panes of glass that they use for Stone Cold's entrances. <laughs> well, the thing the thing about it, this is a, a ludicrous match, obviously. And I, I do like that they've now changed the boiler room brawl is now just the person who escapes the boiler room. You don't have to do any of that, like get down to the ring and pin them kind of stuff. Um, get the but, urn or whatever. But there's a point where um, where Big Show ro- uh, rolls a huge like piece of stage or something that that's on wheels that that falls on on top of Mick Foley and actually looks like it it's literally got him pinned down, and yeah. then he doesn't use that time to escape. And so you say to yourself, okay, I guess he wants to inflict more damage, but they haven't built up enough of the program between these two where where you're thinking these guys really want to kill each other. Cause actually like in the intervening weeks, they've seen, you've seen the two kind of help each other out as they now have this common enemy in the corporation. Yeah. They're both faces, which makes a weird dynamic for like a brutal match like this. And so Big Show, he like yeah, at one point he like like he lifts the stuff exactly like, yeah. Mankind looks like he's pinned, and Big Show lifts it up like like his child is under a car, and then not only lifts it up, but then kind of waits a little while for Mankind to recover. So I think that that is a little bit weird. But then yeah, as soon as they start throwing each other through panes of glass, it's like holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, this was yeah. fun. I like um, the um. I mean, not to skip around too much, but I did like the handprints towards the end with the mm. bloody handprints to the door. That was yeah, dope. same. I love the the same. choke slam off the ladder through two tables covered in glass. It's like wow. Even just like saying that out loud, you're like oof, poetry. Yeah, they were really yes. uh, they were really sideshow bobbing their way through all of the glass in the boiler room. <laughs> uh, that as well as the um, the particle board. It was like particle board, particle board, particle. <laughs> it was just. It was like yeah. it was like when they take plates and they just like break plates over a person's head. There was there's definitely like an elementary school in New Jersey somewhere with no ceiling thanks to that. <laughs> and then um, and then oh no, they busted the confetti pipe. That's the pipe that supplies all the confetti to the building. That shit was straight out of a Nickelodeon set, right? <laughs> like that was definitely something in Double Dare you have to do is like hit the pipe to f- to have the the pipe shoot the flag. <laughs> yeah, fucking awesome. Um, I don't have too much more more notes as far as this. Uh, if we want to go to the finish of this, yep. I think it's I think it's funny that they have that they showed the ref standing outside the uh, the entrance like like. There should have been tourists trying to make the trying to make the ref like move like they do with the bobbies in front of uh, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> um, and actually, speaking of that ref, Bobby, is this the first time we see Teddy Long on screen? It, um, I don't believe so. But it's around this time he's new. But he, I don't think this is the first time we see him. I think he actually didn't he ref even earlier in this show. He might have refed. No, it's the um, first time I noticed him. He definitely no, I've definitely noticed him before this. So. Either maybe it might have been on the Raws we were watching for Ministry stuff, um, but I definitely n- have noticed him before this match. He is a future uh, WWE Hall of Famer, Eric. Got it. He's a huge on-screen presence. Um, it, we we got some time, but yes, yeah. he'll be a huge uh, on-screen presence. So yeah, um, Mankind buries Big Show under like a whole shit ton of pipes. Very cool. And makes his way out of the boiler room as he's smearing his bloody handprints the entire way out. 
Um, as he gets out, though, boss man and test attack because... Nope. Okay. Reasons? Yeah. I don't know. Um, um, this, by the way, I, I just want to point out that this is, like, the best use of boss man in a pay-per-view. Like, I definitely never need to see him in a ring. I just, like, just having him come in every once in a while to, like, break someone's kneecap is fine with me. We haven't seen the last, nor have we seen the worst of the big boss man, I don't think. Hmm. Yeah, we got definitely got a future deep dive. Yeah, the worst is yet to come. There's there's two that come to mind. Two, yep. Uh, I know exactly okay, what you're talking about. Perfect. And one I wish we wouldn't go back and revisit because I hated it so much when it happened and I plan on hating it again. Sorry, not the sorry, Eric. This is not exciting for you. <laughs> no, I'm I'm tittering. So anyway, um boss man and big show fight, mankind and test fight, mankind gives test the mandible claw. And that's that. Then we go backstage where holy shit does China look badass. Yeah. Oh my god. She's wearing straight out of Conan. Yeah, she's wearing this spiked fucking um halter top that just like I wanted to cut my hands. She looks incredible. And I think she cuts a promo. Here and Triple H both cut promos here, and I'm like, between the two of them, if I had a wager on who's the bigger star, mm-hmm. it's like I just feel like China had much not keep in mind, I don't think either of these promos are great. Uh, but I did, I, I did think we were finally seeing China really step into her own uh, as a character, I think, on equal footing uh, at a Triple H who's about to be ascending. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, man, they really, both of them are set up to be huge stars, which is what's, you know, heartbreaking as we look def- much further down the road. But mm-hmm. here, still so much promise and like you can tell this like such star power and what a great look and this outfit was everything and she looks incredible and yeah it's awesome and then we stay backstage where the eastern european doctor has confirmed that the big show is not pregnant nor has he ever been pregnant Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Francoise. Well, Dr. Francois, who's doing stitches on the big show with scissors hanging off of his pinky, which <laughs> can't be safe. Um, a little fun fact about our dear friend Francois. He played Sub-Zero in the Mortal Kombat movie. Stop. What? I, I, so I looked up. I was like, what other movies might have he been in? Um, and there's nothing of note except for the most recent one, which I... WrestleMania. No, it sounds almost as good. Uh, and I am definitely going to watch this movie. It is from 2010. It is called Swish Bucklers. And it is described as an offbeat comedy about three macho martial artists who join an all gay production of the Three Musketeers in order to save their dojo. <laughs> what? Wow. I mean, wow. The oh, fact- that's a lot. The fact I, that I didn't triple FaceTime you guys at 6 a.m. this morning when I <laughs> discovered this is honestly a testament to my own personal restraint. You know, you know, you said <laughs> you said the name, and I was pretty positive it was about a bunch of pirates who decided to play basketball. And then what? Me too. Oh. Me too. And then That's what so you funny. said was so much better. That's so funny because I saw you know I went to his IMDb page and all I see is swishbucklers and in my head I was like gay pirates so that's why I, I even bothered to like go the, I, basketball didn't even cross my mind like as a possible I, I don't think it ever does <laughs> yeah I we're know. not that surprised but that's just, it's like it's just so funny that like the fir- not only the first things we go to but the only things we go to. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I want I desperately want to see the shit out of that movie. So if we ever need a break from wrestling again and want to dip our our toes back into cinema, I'm putting Swish Bucklers on the list. Done. Done. So Dr. F- Dr. Francois was a martial artist as well as a doctor? Um I think doctor is a term we we're going to use loosely. Uh Oh, I uh, okay. I think he's a chiropractor and I think he's a like healer. <laughs> uh, like sort of like a he's, nondescript sort of guy. He, he's 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 not so much a doctor in the way that some people are not so much religious as they're spiritual. Yes, right. yes. He sort of he like, aligns your chakras. He's a vaguely Doctor Oz esque figure, where it's like it's not that he has no medical background, but it's sort of ambiguous. Like Cayman Islands upstairs medical college. And widely applied, and like not specialized at all. And it's like, well, shouldn't you be an expert in like one field? Like, are you like an internist? It's like you just kind of you do it all. You just you can do stitches and internal medicine and and OBGYN work on Terry Runnels, and also you're Sub Zero in Mortal Kombat. So it just there's a it's a lot to the resume that doesn't all kind of like go together. Where I can't be like, hey, and where did you do your residency? Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it all. Uh, you know, did you pass your boards? Uh, I don't think we have all that info. His he's a little bit wait, he's a little bit like the vet that that like the mafia that like yes, you know criminals yes. go to to stitch up bullet wounds. His name is Francois Petit. He's little Frank. Yep. <laughs> I think it makes well. It's like Frank Junior. It's Frank Junior. There's uh his father is Francois Grand. Bobby, do you know why they're um. killing so much time here? Um, so actually, the background segments I believe with Big Show and McFoley are were DVD extras that are added on for the network broadcast. So oh, they may okay. not have aired live. Um, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure that those were uh, things from the DVD that got added. Uh, okay. I could have done without that shit. Without mankind giving really... the tour of the the carnage. It just I I, I guess because like I didn't understand the context, so I was like, "What is going on?" Like it was a weird walk down memory lane. I'm like, "We just saw this. I don't need Mick to walk me through." He's Mick's always great, but like none of it really like it was just like it felt like vamping to me. Just a couple things on that. Like I said, it, it was bonus content. I don't think it would have aired at this part of the show, especially so, so close to like when it actually happened. Um, but I, you know, what's weird. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this, but I thought Mick Foley looked particularly handsome in this like bloodied, battered aftermatch promo. Is that weird? I mean, no, I'm, he I'm looks so hurt, but his hair's looking good. And the I got it. Yeah. Off. I, was like, I got it in handsome. my mind's eye. Yeah. And, and we've said, or, or you've said in the past, young Mick Foley definitely could get it. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think, I mean, there's a handsome a man in there. His teeth look good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Mick Foley and France, going back to Francois Petit, uh, he's mentioned in Foley's book, and in the book he credits Francois as a shiatsu massage therapist. <laughs> uh, and if you try to read Francois Petit's uh, Wikipedia page, it's very funny because there's a couple citation needed, uh, and literally everything. This is I'm going to read you one paragraph. This is literally the paragraph from start to finish. He claims to be a former special operations officer. Citation needed. He claims to have an eighth degree black belt in Goshindu Jiu-Jitsu and a seventh degree black belt in Karate Do. Citation needed. He claims to hold the title of Kaiten Shihan, which is the highest title master in the world. He has not gained these titles in Japan, nor has he officially won any world titles. He carries a third degree Judo black belt. He is both a five guap and a cryomancer? 
Cryomancer? Hold on. I don't know what that last sentence means, but uh, I like how the Well, he played Sub-Zero, so he he knows the magic of freezing. He's crying? <laughs> I didn't catch that one before, because everything was like, he claims, he claims, he claims. And, and, and Cryomancer, to me, sounds the same thing as Goshindu Jujutsu. You know what I mean? Like, all of these things are sound kind of like... Uh, he holds the title of Kaiden Shihan, which if I said like, oh, also he's like a five degree cryomancer. It's like all of those things all go together. Cryomancer. Yep. This is not real. Um, he is both. Way. He is both a five guap and a cryomancer. I don't know. Does anyone know what that means? I don't know. Do you know what this means? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So Bobby, when are you going to look up the edit page uh, for the Wikipedia and find out which uh, as soon as we stop, which address made the edit? As soon as we stop recording this, because five guap according according to the Urban Dictionary, a guap is the guap is money. The guaps, guap scale from one to five are slowly to the hotness of females. One being the lowest, five being the highest. A one guap is very raunch. But all the way down to the bottom, a five guap is the cream of the crop. What? <laughs> five guap, cream of the crop. <laughs> so somebody added to his Wikipedia page that he's also super hot and he uh, does ice magic. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, Into I, it. I think we changed the whole remit of this podcast to investigating the Wikipedia pages of people from the 1990s that have been left unpoliced. <laughs> we are not the heroes the world wants or whatever, but we're the ones it deserves. Uh, uh, Triple H and X-Pac. Um, this was a great match. Um, I really enjoyed uh, them the way that they sold Triple H's brutality there with um, constantly attacking the neck. Um, X-Pac looks gutsy as hell. X-Pac's moveset is still very fun and refreshing. Um, exciting. Um... I really enjoyed this. And even after the excitement of the last match was still able to refocus and enjoy this one purely on its own. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I thought there was good storytelling in the way that he was working the neck. It made me start to wonder if this is where, this is where the beginnings of like the cerebral assassin or whatever. Um, he, that's what he's called, right? Yeah. Yes. If, if that's if that start where this starts to come into play, where it's like he he knows your he knows your weaknesses and he exploits them, that kind of stuff. Very good, Eric. That is exactly right. It's a I feel like we're, though, this is the beginning of the Triple H main adventure push, and uh, as you could tell from his entrance music, it's a bit of a transition. <laughs> uh, his entrance music sounds like it's coming out of a Sega Genesis. Uh, it's very bad. Uh, <laughs> He, even like his tights aren't quite figured out like what the look is he's going for, but you can tell like his body is changing. He's getting bigger. He's, he's, you know, evolving his character here at a very necessary time. Uh, and I, and along with that comes like changing his style. And I think you're a hundred percent right that it's getting more calculating and whatever. And you're seeing a little bit more of that ring psychology, which I think can sometimes be a little boring. I don't, I, I think they spent a little too much time in rest holds here. I got the psychology of it, but it was yeah. a little like, Bleh. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. There was a lot of rest holds. Uh, yeah, a lot of rest holds. And it was, I mean, it was long, but also I was able to at least appreciate, you know, 
that it was it was in service to something as opposed to just being a rest hold. Um, I also really liked uh, 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 X-Pac had a really good crossover. I think it was a crossover DDT from The Post. I don't remember the one you're talking about, but I believe it. It was like a floating DDT where he was like on the post with, with him and he, I don't know, it, it just looked Oh, really that'd be a, a tornado DDT? Like he's sitting on the top rope um, like with his head in a headlock and then jumps from the top rope and spins around and hits and, and lands a DDT? That's it, yeah. That'd be a tornado DDT. I should go back to the old days and say a flippy, flippy, <laughs> swishy, swishy, swirly. A swish buckler? <laughs> oh my god that's my finishing move when i become a wrestler it's a swish buckle the swish buckler i thought i thought you said according to you you're really good at swish buckling that's like you're <laughs> um i want to go back to something uh a point of eric's from a few episodes ago now um at one point um xbox xbox uh tag team partner kane comes out and choke slams, um, choke slams Triple H, and then choke slams China. I have to wonder if the loud, lo- the louder pop this time around for China getting choke slammed wasn't because she was a woman. I think the last time we we went to this, Bobby and I both kind of like agreed that it, it was a, a level of heat that she had, but I don't know that China has more heat than Triple H. And Triple H acting so vicious towards X Pac, I feel like the the louder pop here is a, a a quite a bit of misogyny from the audience coming through. Yeah, I think it's the oh shit he did it to her. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there's something to the way they're framing the story that I think what WWF wants us to believe is that sort of China is implicitly taking advantage of the fact that she thinks that no one would, that she's in a position where she, no one would dare hurt her. So she, and this, like, uh, they, I think play with that tension leading up to this for a while. Uh, and then for it here, it breaks that tension rather than just, I think the, the pure joy of seeing a woman being abused. But again, I don't, I, I, I'm not saying that to defend it. Uh, or to justify it in any way. I think it's bad, and I prefer they didn't do it. And so that moment sets up two different Bronco Busters, the first on Triple H and then one on China. But with the one on China, I was more worried about X-Pac yes. tearing his taint on those boob on spikes. That spiky bra, that's very... That was uh, very uh, dangerous, it seemed. Did... Um, did uh... The Legion of Doom create the uh, China's bra in their in garage. Their garage. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> but I don't have anything else to say about this match. You guys? It was a little long. That's my only thing. It's a, It was a little long. Well, if you thought that was long, <laughs> let me introduce Good. you to the next match. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> this was... Good lord. <laughs> So it ends with oh, uh, oh, wait. fucking shit. Oh, wait. We didn't mention on the when Kane arrives Lawler's uh, use of the R word. Oh, uh, oh I yeah. Feel, yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like that's an important thing for us to, to point out and address again as part of our remit. That he called in the, the big red R word. Have, I didn't like that yeah. at all. Have like, they, I didn't like that yeah. at all. Have they not said that on a pay-per-view yet? 
Um, I think they might have said it. I, I definitely feel like we've heard it before. Either I think Vince used it at one point um, when he was like mad at the two of them. Because uh, yeah, back. yeah, he did. Because he did. every time that that Kane is on Raw at this point, you hear that, and so I, I think for me, it's it's kind of washing over me at this point. Uh. It's just like this is just oh. There's the eye yeah, roll. Yeah, Aaron, I've been. Aaron, I've been meaning to talk to you. You're getting a little, uh, you're starting to get a little too comfortable in normal conversation. <laughs> just very desensitized. Uh, yeah, that's gross. Um, okay. This match ends triple, uh, with, um, X-Pac, Petty, or, sorry, X-Pac Bronco Bustering, um, China, Leaves Triple H enough time to recover. He hits the pedigree and wins. So I think the right person goes over here. For sure. Now, oof. <sighs> so it's it's Ken Shamrock versus The Undertaker. And there's something about The Undertaker's character right now where if he's not doing some kind of gimmick match... It just seems very silly and doesn't make sense. A couple things. Yeah, I mean, he... go ahead. Oh, go. You, you go ahead. Well, I'll say a couple things here. Undertaker's been like evolving this character, obviously, for a while. And I think we're seeing his in ring style evolve more and more, too. Especially as like the, the, the sort of WWF is changing around him. He's always been a big fan of MMA, uh, personally. And I think he will develop a better style to integrate it later on. But this is rough. Yeah, this is, I mean, he fully changed his style. He did no walking off of the ropes. Uh, he was, it, it, he was just was brawling, brawling and doing submission moves. He, I think he, he, fi- he did like one tombstone and it was like almost like an afterthought. No choke slams. It was just real boring. I did like Ken Shamrock putting up a fight. I, you know, Ken Shamrock should have been pushed so much bigger. He, but it just this didn't click. The two, their styles didn't seem to click. It just nothing worked. It made sense that Ken Shamrock would repeatedly target the leg. But we say in matches today, like, oh, he's going, he's you know, ring psychology. He's going after a body part. Blah 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 blah. It's like not usually this uh, focused or this like uh, monomaniacal about it. Uh, this was too much. Uh, resting holds and leg work, and I, I get that that's Ken Shamrock's thing to an extent, but it, it will yawn. Well, again, you're you're well, trying you, com- you compare it to the last match, right? And <laughs> the last match pulled it off better, right? And also, you're trying to target the body part of a phantasm. <laughs> yeah, like a dark overlord, <laughs> who, by the way, is like screaming out in pain. Like this is very different from the Undertaker who gets knocked down and he sits up like Mike Myers, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Michael Myers, uh, you know, like it's very different to have like the undertaker. Yeah, no. like, oh, <laughs> he sits up like Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah, baby. I did like how Jerry Lawler says he resembles Beezlebub or Lucifer. And I'm like, listen, I'm no Chaucer historian, um, but I think that's the same person. <laughs> No, no, nope. no. Be- Beelzebub is one of the is one of the demons. Oh, 
I thought uh, here I you see I am now chose Chaucer historian in terms and out, and uh, you're no you're no Miltonian, Miltonian. Uh, philosopher uh, Miltonian scholar. Yeah, Beelzebub so was I the Lord of the college, Flies. I swear I did go to college from 03 to 07. <laughs> By the way, I I have to point out. So the other night, um, we were we, we were talking with um one of Talia's friends, and and they were like, uh, the friends were like, oh yeah, like uh, our friend Susan. She can like she can recite the Canterbury Tales in Old English, and, and Talia goes, uh, "You mean Middle English?" And I was like, "Ah, that's hilarious!" <laughs> like, uh, like the it, it's the the one upsmanship of pedantry is is amazing to me. We all know that's your favorite sport, Eric. <laughs> oh my god yes i was so turned on i was like <laughs> tell me more tell me tell me how she's mispronouncing words um i i really liked um near the end of the match when um when shamrock did that chop block i think that looked really cool and followed it up with that hurricane rana but that's the only offense i really remember from this match uh undertaker well with- uh Undertaker Go went on. for a leg drop, it got turned into like a leg lock at one point, which is pretty dope. And what's it? And then the I had like the finish with the I had a note about the finish. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the acolyte. Oh, I was talking about further along with the tombstone. Uh, just I only noticed is that the tombstone is treated as like the most like devastating finisher, but if you look at it at all, it looks like truly the safest move in all of wrestling. Uh, which is just, I think, is a testament to the storytelling with it because it's always treated as like a very, very lethal move, uh, less so than it once was, but still. Yeah, uh, but if you look, it's like there's not even a chance anyone's head hits the ground <laughs> with the tombstone, well, unless you're Owen Hart. Well, that's not a tombstone. That was with the like the, a seated tombstone. Now that's that seated pile way driver. More scary, seated pile driver um, looks way more scary. But a regular tombstone pile driver, their head is never more than like mid thigh, as it as it should be. You know, like I would rather they be safe. But I'm just saying the contrast of a move that really doesn't look devastating. There, like the cell is so devastating. Yeah, there is there is so much setup for the tombstone, and they make sure that everyone is such in the right position that I feel like if you freeze framed. You would see very quickly the Undertaker leaning down and kissing him on the forehead before he delivers <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I, it's like he sings "Rockabye Baby" on the way down. It's like he, like, they like gently places him onto the like you would place a newborn babe. Um, going back to my rules about the acolytes, I feel like the acolytes should never carry manufactured weapons. New unless, rules. Dun, 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 dun. They'd have to get it like straight Sorry. from a blacksmith. Like, if they're gonna carry weapons, they better be like battle axes. Exactly. Yeah. But but him carrying like a Louisville slugger is a little bit not it for me. Can I add a, an addendum to that rule that uh, if they do happen to carry a Louisville slugger, that Jr. cannot call it a ball bat. <laughs> the fuck is a ball bat? <laughs> It's the ball bat, uh, as opposed to the other bats. Like, listen, we have to name it in a way so that people won't get confused. We can't say baseball bat. That's too long. Uh, shit, what can we do? Ball bat, ball bat. That works. It's a bat for balls. Oh, Not like a not like a flying bat. I don't know how that did. Oh, no, there's ball bat in my notes. I was like, how did that not get in my notes? Because I remembered 
the exact amount of disgust on my face every time he's and he said it like five times he said it a lot a lot so funny i didn't even notice that it's like uh that's what all sports words sound like to me (laughs) i was gonna say yeah for for bobby that's just like oh he's got his uh he's got his football he's got his ball bat he's got his ball glove He's got his soccer box to use to get the goals in. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Who cares? I like how you elongated it for that. Bobby, Bobby, what's going on with your soccer box these days? Oh. No complaints. (laughs) But yeah, it's boring. It's long. It's a slog. Can we move on? Yes, please. Yep. Okay. Then we move on to The Rock versus Stone Cold. And these guys are so fucking good. We all know these guys are so fucking good. But I just want to talk about the testament to how good these are. That there could be such a great build for such a stupid reason for their feud. Which is, again, The Rock has the belt that I like better than the belt that I have. And so we've got... In that build, we've got um, Austin convincing um, Big Show to tear to, to to pull down the Titantron, and then he uh, Austin rips it open. Great. We've got um, oh shit, the stuff on the Eric. Go back and watch the segments of The Rock on a Bridge, because he's just out there talking and just throwing out your Rudy poos. At one point, he says, um, "I'm gonna use you as bait, but I'd probably catch some kind of mutant freak fish off of here." Um, and then faking throwing the belt off and then throwing Steve Austin off of a bridge. And then the I, yeah, yeah. And then the funeral the following week, which is great. I'm guessing you hated the monster truck so much though. Ooh, you definitely got that. I was I, I actually wrote uh that I guess the monster truck wasn't really a big iconic moment because Usually you'd tell me to watch that. So I'm assuming by this point there, everyone was like, whatever, man, it's another fucking truck. Well, after I gave you so much homework with the ministry, I was like, we can't do this. (laughs) I can't give them this. So, so was the monster truck a hit with people? I liked it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I think the, I think the bridge was more iconic than the, the monster truck. Yeah, the thing, I mean, stealing the belt, belt thievery is like an old-timey wrestling trope that, like, we'll see again, and we see it here. This isn't my favorite example, because I think uh, the smoking, they didn't make a big enough deal about the smoking skull belt originally to make us feel that invested in, like, what where it happens to fall now. And with everything, sort of my feeling. And again, you've got uh, demonic ceremonies and kidnapping going on in the undercard, so I, I feel like the the main story should have a little bit more gravitas than this. Yeah, it yeah. sort of it sort of calls into question like where do custom belts come from? Who pays for them? How much does one cost? Could Austin just presumably uh, just go out and buy himself any belt he sees fit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what what are the rules? Does it have to be like officially sanctioned from a certain? Does Vince McMahon have to sign off on it? Does it have to like he could do whatever if The Rock could carry belt he didn't win you know what i mean like suddenly the whole thing starts to fall apart yeah 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 before right the belt is supposed to be like excalibur but there was no Mm buildup of excalibur 
So before the match starts, we get a little bit more exposition where we see Vince tenderly kiss Stephanie on the lips. Anyone else Weird. grossed out by that? Yes. I had to rewind just to make sure that I actually saw that. Too much tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough tongue, I think. Vince tells the cops to watch Stephanie, um, and Shane orders the belt to be taken to his office, which, does Shane have an office in every arena that he goes to? Sure, of course. You know, he has he have the Providence office, they have the Stanford office. Uh, they have one in, in one of the circles of hell. I don't know. I never read Chaucer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, circles of hell is from Dante. God damn oh, it! Oh, in right. the old in, in the old Latin. Oh boy, I never should make any kind of literary reference. <laughs> oh, Bobby, I thought you were doing that on purpose. I, I thought that I was. was the callback. No, I was. No, I was. I was. I was. I was. Where I don't know anymore. <laughs> what is kayfabe? <laughs> And then shit kicks kicks off, and it's fun right from the start. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, it's like they, uh, just wild. And it's a no-holds-barred match that was uh, announced on Heat, that it would be no-holds-barred. But I just feel like, I just remember at this time, so many matches, like, it didn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter what happened, no one was getting disqualified, no one was being counted out. Um, It's just, like, part of the style of the day was everything was just these extreme brawls and lots of violence and weapons and sets coming down. Uh, But to me, my favorite part of this whole match was when The Rock takes him over to the table, takes the camera, and we have a first-person, like, view of The Rock standing over Austin, giving him the finger that he pans up to the audience. Again, Rock's perspective, and we come back, and it's Austin standing, giving him the finger, and we get to see first-person footage of getting the Stone Cold Stunner through a table. That was fucking so cool. fucking cool. That was so fucking cool. Why don't they do that all the time? I would love to have a first-person footage of, like, lots of being, of, like, receiving... I, I would love to get a first-person footage of laying on the ground with a camera, looking up and seeing Ricochet's beautiful body flying in the air and about to land on me. I want to see that. Bobby, this is how you get the movie Hardcore Henry. Oh, no. Did you see that? I didn't see that. Did you see it? I did, I did not. Okay. Is it good? I, I feel like I almost remember reviews being like, actually, this is interesting, but I never uh, I never watched it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like I, I kind of remember hearing something along the same lines, like, this is not as bad as we thought it was going to be. And I'm like, okay, but yeah. I never I never watched it. Now we'll never know until our new podcast. <laughs> Actually, it's turns... hell in a cell phone cam. Hey, <laughs> it turns out Francois Petit played Thug Number Three and in, uh, in Hardcore Henry. Um, yeah, you hit it on the head. That is the moment of this match. But everything leading up to it, of fighting through the audience, going through all the set pieces, uh, jumping off of the rolling um, equipment cart, I loved it all. Amazing. These guys are great. Yeah, I had a note that at first when they were falling through the the fences, I was like, oh, they're striking the set. This is just um, the actual every after every pay-per-view in order to break down the set. They just have a a blackout match where where everybody just gets thrown through it. And that's how they uh, that's how they disassemble everything. Well, you know, they had a hard out at 10. Otherwise, they have to pay time and a half. So that's why they wanted to speed that along. 
Uh, that's also the same way that Chip Gaines does uh, demo on uh, Fixer Upper, where he's just like smashing the walls <laughs> with a sledgehammer, like throwing himself. He literally is, like doing like flying drop kicks through basement walls. Right. Right, they're like, uh, Stone Cold, can you uh, hit him with one of these lights? But first unplug it and wrap the cord really tightly around the uh, the pole for it. Yeah, no notes for this match. I mean, plenty of notes that I took, but no notes as far as... Improving it, Improving, yeah. yeah. Man, it's fun. Um, so then uh, we've got uh, The Rock hits Austin into Shane... Hits the rock bottom, puts his arm on Austin, gets the one-two count. So Shane, I guess, showing non-bias there for a minute because, as, as King says, he could have counted to three. Um, then Shane accidentally takes the rock out with the belt, refuses the three count, and then we see Vince McMahon come out. How did you feel about that, Eric? Well, you mean like about how he, uh, how Vince kind of, uh, Vince's, you know, Vince's face turn here, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, a little confused because I mean, like, I know, I know Vince is against uh, Shane, but like, Vince like has hated Austin for so long, and given all the things that Austin has done to him, it's hard, it's hard, it's a little hard for me to swallow that he all of a sudden is going to come out and like get in the way of Austin, you know, being Austin's match being meddled with. I don't know. What, what what are your thoughts on this? I guess it is it is tough to buy, but the idea that they're selling is this new Vince McMahon, this one who cares more about the safety of Stephanie than his company, than about old feuds, has kind of like been been put in, life has been put into a new perspective for him, and that's why I guess I buy it or I bought it back then. Hmm. Well, it's also, you could also uh, interpret it as Shane's, mostly Shane's comeuppance and getting one over Shane. And Vince McMahon, no matter what, is still petty enough that he doesn't want to be shown weaker, that be shown up by his son. That Shane basically is like, you big puss, I'm taking over the company. I'll run things since you can't handle it. Blah, 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 blah. And I, I see this as almost like a reaction to that part of the character. And Vince being like, this little punk ass kid thinks he can do whatever he wants. Well, I'm going to spoil his plans the same way. Why else would he, if his main motivation is being with Stephanie, why would he leave her alone at all? Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I mean, also, to be to be fair, I woke up early to watch this part of the pay-per-view this morning, and I was still really very sleepy. In fact, so sleepy <laughs> that once I finished the pay-per-view, I climbed back into bed and slept for another hour and a half. <laughs> so I might not have been we interrupted nap time. emotionally. So Vince hits Shane, there's a stunner, there's a stumble, there's a hit with a belt, and Stone Cold gets the one, two, three count by Earl Hebner, who's been brought out by Vince McMahon. He's the winner, but then the show is not over. We cut back outside where Stephanie is talking to the police. The ministry shows up, they tell the limo to drive away, and then the partition goes down in the front, the undertaker says, where to, Stephanie, and drives going my way <laughs> very very tales from the crypt twilight zone ass oh. ending see i thought it was very uh david s pumpkins any questions <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the vibe i got from it because again it's one of those things where you have to think about it as if who's filming this like what am i supposed to be like how 
what am I believing here? Fact and fiction. Right, because we didn't even see Stephanie in the back seat. We're looking through Stephanie's eyes at the <laughs> yeah. under. Like we don't even see Stephanie in the limo after right. the window goes up. Right. Yeah. And usually WWE well, like, goes out of its way to be like, oh, we have a hidden camera. Or like, ooh, someone left our mo- hot mic on. Or like, just like something that like, it's a production, you know? So if something's on film, it's there purposefully. So this shot makes no sense. We set up the tripod I mean, in, here. in my mind, I actually... What's that? So we set up the tr- camera on a tripod inside the limo just to see if there's any kind of spooks about. Yeah. Oh, no, in, in my mind, I actually... Ima- I was like imagining that like The Undertaker was taking off with like stephanie and one cameraman <laughs> who just happened to be sitting there and he's like uh are we gonna be okay someone to doc like in the hunger games to document like his crew, evil hunger games <laughs> man but but stephanie gives a good scream uh like it had a there was a real uh disconcert disconcerting sound to the scream and just talk about, I need to tune in tomorrow and see what happens. Well, now that I know that The Rock becomes a face, yes. Well, a lot happens on this next episode of Raw. And uh, we'll get into a lot of it in our next deep dive. But in the meantime, for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'll go first. Um, I'm going to go with a sports reference that I, oh, no. that oh, no, God. but I think Bobby, you might get this sports reference ball bat. I am going with the Kurt Schilling award to mankind for getting victory with a bloody sock. I don't think Bobby will get that one. Nope, not not even a little bit. Okay. I see, mean, I, using, con- I could guess based on context clues. Well, no, you said that- you said you went to college in 2003 to 2007, which meant that you were in Boston in 2004 when they won the World Series. And I was actually, yes, yes. And so during the, the ALCS, the, the pitcher Kurt Schilling had a ruptured tendon in his ankle and pitched a game with it where the, the, um, the stitch sock was the, bleeding. The, the, uh, the, the, um, the stitch ruptured and uh it bled through the sock the sock is actually in the uh the baseball hall of fame now and i thought maybe because you were in boston at that point like that that was the thing that was going on in this city that something might have bled through i was deeply deeply involved in the in the excitement around it but i wasn't in the details but like i had not the actual sporting event for it i worked at the paper and so i was covering a lot of like the uh the cell the, like the the destructive celebration stuff that happened mm-hmm. afterwards and was like out and about and all of that because i lived uh like literally like two like blocks from fenway park like um i could hear in my shower like the national anthem being sung and stuff from my apartment that's awesome um, so i knew always knew like all the world series like i and i was aware and obviously you can't be in boston and not know what's happening with the red sox but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know the details at that level i would know who they were playing i knew some of the big names that would like appear also on like saturday night live or whatever like johnny damon or whatever uh but i don't uh, <laughs> yes but I wouldn't he is be able a to player tell you, right uh, but i wouldn't be able to tell you what happened during any mm-hmm. games okay specifically okay johnny damon's hair was too long for you when he was at uh in <laughs> nice. boston bobby <laughs> No, it was right on, it was right on the cusp, but, but uh, I'll allow it. But then when he got to the Yankees, well, I mean, once he got once he went to the Yankees, <laughs> yeah, then he's then you're all about it. Who's next? Uh, I'll go. 
Um, so I'm going to give the On Second Thought Award. Uh, there was one fan during the um, the Taker and Ken Shamrock match who had a sign. They were sitting like ringside, and they had a sign that said, uh, Angel of Darkness, we embrace you. But they were clearly, like, during the Taker match, they're, like, not holding the sign up because I think at that point they were so, like, put to sleep by the match that even they were not willing to embrace the <laughs> Angel of Darkness. Uh, I was like, yep, yeah, no, I think they're I think they're reconsidering their choices after this match. You guys, I don't think the purity of evil is for me. <laughs> like, did you guys see Midian? He's not even he's he's really lame about this shit. Right. I think my I'm giving my slammy for you've come a long way, baby, to hardcore Holly for finally finding a gimmick that mostly works. Mm-hmm. Love us? Disagree? Want to kidnap a family member? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hell in a Cell Pod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yabney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with another episode and join us again in two weeks for No Mercy UK 1999. I had to say uh, I had to say No Mercy UK because there's actually two No Mercy pay-per-views in 1999, one in England and one in the States. So. Yeah.